0: w b n e
1: hi i'm carrie and i'm jade and we're the curly critics and today we're talking about tick tick boom
0: explosion noises <laughs> yes
1: this movie came out on netflix in november it's directed by Lynn manuel miranda oh my gosh the alliteration <laughs> and it stars andrew garfield as jonathan larson
0: and that's all you need to know the end we're done wow (laughs) (laughs) i've wanted to talk about this since november and jade has apparently not (laughs) well no i just mean like that's good enough i think like it's fine but just knowing that it's lynn and andrew and that it's a musical that does it for me that's it you're right jade what was your history with this movie I watched it a few days ago. That's it. That's all I have. What did you know about Jonathan Larson before we started? Just from the trailer, pretty much. Okay. That's it. Super boring. Yeah. I don't know (laughs) nothing, man.
1: Yeah. I knew that this movie was coming because Andrew Garfield was in it. And so I was, like, waiting for it. But I didn't really know much about it. Uh... I knew Jonathan Larson was the Rent guy, mm-hmm. and that he died young, and that was about all. Oh, I like was expecting Tick, Tick, Boom to be about the making of Rent. Yeah, and it was not.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't really know that until about halfway through, and you're like, "Wait, this is some sci-fi garbage." What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I. Not the biggest Rent fan slash know much about Rent. And so, like, he's, like, talking about these Superbia songs that he's making. And I'm like, oh, is that a Rent song? I don't remember if that's a Rent song.
0: But. I thought it was just, like, him workshopping the name. And then calling it Rent later. Yeah. No. Basically, Tick, Tick, Boom
1: was a one-man musical that Jonathan Larson wrote before Rent. Okay. So after Superbia failed, he wrote Tick, Tick, Boom as a one-man show. And then later he wrote Rent. And then later they adapted it to be a three-person musical instead of a one-man show. And then the movie adapted it to make it more It's basically the, like, Vanessa Hudgens character and the Alexander Shipp character were the same. And the Michael and the other guy character were the same. Mm -hmm. And so they just split them to be the, like, workshop people and the real life people. But this musical has a better thematic element to it, knowing that he dies young. Yeah. Like, but, like, when he wrote it, he didn't know that was going to happen.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I... I don't know, like, I knew that going into it, and so I'm like, well, how did he die? I thought it would be, like, a car crash or something, but, like, freak aneurysm out of nowhere. Yeah. That's definitely not as common.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I, like, looked it up a while ago, and it was, like, a heart condition or something that if they had caught it, Mm. that's like this like the aneurysms are like a symptom of the heart condition or whatever it was and if like he had been having heart pains for like a week and he kept going to the doctor like oh it's nothing and if they had caught it they would have found out he had this disease and like he would have been able to live hmm but they didn't and he died but <laughs> what were your thoughts of the movie <laughs> um
0: <laughs> So I think I, this is what happens with like everything, right? Everyone says, oh my gosh, it's the best thing in the entire world. And then you watch it and it doesn't meet that expectation because you expect it to be perfect. Um, I think like, for example, Obi-Wan Kenobi has recently come out. If I hadn't watched it before everyone else I knew, I would have gone in thinking, oh my gosh, this is perfection, and then watched it and been disappointed. It is perfection. What are you talking about? (laughs) I think... I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I think I would have thought it was boring. Okay. Just, like, the... Not the recap part, because that made me want (laughs) to cry, but, like... (laughs) I don't know. Some of the other stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of action. So I was like, okay, I'm bored. Um, just whatever. We can talk about that during Obi Wednesdays, a show I want to happen. That's a whole nother thing. But that's just an example of like, don't raise my expectation. <laughs> Because I feel like it really fell flat. Like, I watched this with my mom, too, and she didn't really like it either. Interesting. Which, I don't know, I thought... I think not knowing about Tick Tick Boom really made it not flow as well, because everything was... All scattered all over the place and I didn't understand the narrative as well okay I disagree
1: but we'll talk about it um so I like watched it the weekend it came out like the day it came out that was my plan (laughs) (laughs) and I had like there was like a lot of hype personally behind it because like Andrew Garfield and Lin-Manuel Miranda And I loved it. But also to note, like, it's June now, and I have not thought about wanting to rewatch it since November. Mm. But I thought it was good. It made me, like, there were a lot of emotions involved. Yeah. Like, I cried, I laughed, I thought it was great. So it, it hit all the range of emotions, which makes me, like, Give it higher praise. Yeah. But I thought it was cohesive.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm already scatterbrained, so to me it made sense. But, like, to someone like my mother who watched Hamilton and didn't like it because it didn't make any sense and all these people kept switching around and all the words were too fast and everything was also kind of scattered... I try to think of it through that lens. Is it possible that your mother just doesn't understand musicals? I mean, no. She likes them a lot. Because I don't
1: feel that about Hamilton either.
0: Okay, but we also listened to the soundtrack a bajillion times. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's a bias to Hamilton. But, like, this movie is, like, created in a combination of... Live show flashbacks and, like, snippets of his real life. Yeah. And so, like, the story is that he's wanting to write this musical and he just really wants to write this musical and he feels like he's running out of time to write this musical and so he's writing this musical and he, like, goes and it, like, doesn't really go as well as he can, but then he, like, from out of the disappointment, writes Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. and So that's the story. And then it's done, like we get the songs and then sometimes we get the workshop and then sometimes we get the like live show snippets.
0: Yeah. I think, I think the biggest problem was not knowing a lot going in. I thought the main story of him writing the musical was the story. And then all of the stuff doing his one man show, Tick, Tick, Boom. I thought that was Knowing he died, I thought that was kind of just, like, some sort of subconscious thing. Like, he's also writing this at the same time. Like, this is how he's getting his feelings out, is this subconscious one-man show thing. Because he's writing about his life and about his process. I didn't think it was real. I thought it was all fake. Yeah, I can see that. Especially because of the lighting and how it was all set up and everything was kind of in a haze. It looked like a dream sequence.
1: Yeah, it definitely took me a while to, like, recognize that the snippets of him on stage singing were, like, of the show. Yeah. Like, it t- probably took me about halfway through. Yeah. And then especially at the end when he, like, does the show. It, like, makes sense. So, I think, yeah, you have a point that, like, if you know nothing about Tick-Tick-Boom, it's harder to grasp yeah the Tick-Tick-Boom of it all. Which, like... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, when this movie came out, there was, like, some Oscar buzz okay about it. Or, like... On my echo chamber of the universe, there was Oscar buzz about it. Like, maybe, like, this movie should be nominated for an Oscar and stuff. But I finished the movie, and I literally said, this is not Oscar worthy. Dang.
0: It like, just doesn't a, fit the bill.
1: Yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not... I mean, Andrew Garfield's great. He's, like, the movie itself, like, best picture Oscar nomination. I feel like it wasn't profound enough for that yeah and it was like not artsy enough for that and so it was like this was enjoyable and it was fun but it was definitely a movie for musical theater fans yeah and not for movie
0: fans i think musical theater fans with context too because i bet a lot more people knew about it than like knew more about it than i did
1: yeah i imagine that anybody who's a fan of rent knows about tick tick boom
0: yeah
1: even adjacently yeah and i mean like lots of people are fans of rent (laughs) or like people who are actually in musical theater know more about jonathan larson than us who are just like admirers from afar yeah so yeah i listen to a lot of like broadway podcast and so they were talking about it as it was coming out and like before it came out because that's what they do and so i kind of like had some context going in
0: mm-hmm.
1: of like what this was but then i still like was watching it expecting it to be about rent
0: <laughs> or expecting so. it to be a um you know like a live performance like they've been mm. doing like live shots right right
1: the, like, interesting thing about this is that it's, like, a biopic, but it's also, like, his musical. So, like, his musical is a biography. Yeah. But then, like, Lynn takes it and makes it even more of a biopic than it was before.
0: Yeah. Which is interesting. It kind of mixes, like, comedian one-man shows with a movie, And it's Mm -hmm. also real, but fake. Yeah. It's like a weird... It'd be hard to categorize it into really anything besides a musical because it doesn't really fit into one category. It's not a real documentary. It's not... It's a whole thing.
1: Yeah. It's like I
0: would call it a biopic
1: but i also wouldn't call it a biopic yeah but it's like i think it's as much of a biopic as most biopics are yeah like i'm pretty sure that both michael and susan are made up or they're at least adapted from real people Mm -hmm. which jonathan larson did himself when he wrote the musical and but then like the like superbia stuff the like Stonheim stuff like all that stuff is real yeah so it's like fictionalized enough to make a story but it's also real enough to tell the story of his life yeah and then the way lynn presents it it's like presenting his life though with the clips of his like like the vlog clips of his life and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's like it's real enough that like if you were like to read jonathan larson's life you would see where the like movie is
0: I feel like that's just Lynn's brand. Like, real fake things. (laughs) Yeah, it works. I mean...
1: It's working really well for
0: him. (laughs) Tick-Tick-Boo movie, In the Heights, Hamilton. I'm almost convinced Moana's real. It probably is, honestly. All Disney movies are real. Yeah, that means Dwayne the Rock Johnson is also real. No, that can't be true. Dang it.
1: (laughs) There's no way that The Rock is a real person. (laughs) That's the part of that movie that's
0: fake. (laughs) Not the stupid chicken.
1: (laughs) Or the, like, talking volcano. (laughs) Yeah, no. Absolutely not. Okay. Do you have any thoughts about
0: the story? Or the presentation? Um, I definitely, like, yelled when Steven Sondheim showed up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I was listening to a podcast called Musicals with Cheese. Um, uh, And they were, like, talking about this. And the guy, the host was talking about how weird it is because Jonathan Larson is, like, the air, the Broadway air to Stephen Sondheim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, like, Lin-Man Miranda is the heir apparent to Jonathan Larson. And so you have this movie written by Lin-Man Miranda about Jonathan Larson starring Stephen Sondheim. And it's, like, the weirdest combination of, like, Broadway family tree (laughs) that there could possibly be. Incredible. Also, like, this movie, like, came out right around the time that Sondheim died. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, that's his real voice. Yeah. In that. So that's, like, a weird memorialization. He didn't memorialization. Get to
0: see it, did he? I don't know. I don't think so. I didn't think he did. But, yeah, I didn't well, know he was in it. I should have because I'd seen it, like, on Twitter before. But that was months and months and years ago. and So the movie came out on Netflix on November 19th.
1: And Sondheim died the next week.
0: Dang.
1: So, like, theoretically he could have seen it. Time-wise, I just don't know if he did. Yeah. So, the songs. The songs. The song, the movie starts with 3090, which was, like, one of the more popular songs. mm mm-hmm. And I was not sure that I liked it for most of the song
0: yeah it's got over double the amount of listens that boho days does which is the second highest no i'm sorry therapy is the second highest (laughs) yeah as it should be (laughs) (laughs) um
1: because like the thing i don't like rent about rent is i don't like the rock musical part of rent
0: Oh, interesting. Like,
1: I don't like the music of Rent. I've never, like, like, I've just listened to the soundtrack. I've never watched the movie or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's discourse about the plot and, like, whether that's good, too. Yeah. But, like, I don't like the music of Rent, and so, like, going into this, I was like, ah, that's the Jonathan Larson style. I don't know if I like it. But now, like, 3090 is one of my most listen songs from this musical. Because once you learn the words, it's really fun to scream. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's just a madman, literally and figuratively.
1: Yeah. So the 3090 is about him singing about how he's turning 30 in 1990 and how he feels like he's running out of time and he doesn't want to turn 30. And that's the whole song. Like, chill, man. Relax. It was interesting when this movie first came out, 3090 was trending on TikTok with like people, like young people, like early 20s late teens using that song as like proof or like as like to make videos about how they don't know what they're doing with their lives either. Mm -hmm. And it's like wild to see like just 20 years later 30 years later? 30 years later. (laughs) Um how like 30 as the like mark of like oh i'm running out of time i haven't accomplished anything by 30 to like now it's like oh i haven't accomplished anything by 18 yeah and you're
0: like uh maybe we need to calm down as a society yeah like oh you're not famous by 18 you suck and i was even talking to a friend about it
1: the other day about how like at this point in time to become a like famous youtuber or famous on tiktok or anything like that is a thing that you should have done five years ago yeah especially youtube because the market is so saturated now because everybody's trying to like make it big that like now all the like big name people have been doing it for like the last like 10 years Mm -hmm. and so it's like now we're in we got into it too late not everyone is smosh (laughs) Yeah, and then this whole, like, internet culture has just made us all think that we need to be famous or, like, do something. Yeah. With our lives. And, like, that's not true. (laughs) It's cool if that's what you want to do with your life, but, like, you don't – shouldn't feel like you have to be somebody, especially not by 18.
0: Yeah, and, like, it's not exactly great to put your worth in the internet and how famous you can be.
1: That's true. It's also not great to put your worth in what you do or who you are like as a figure. Yeah. Cuz even like at 23, I'm like there are moments where I'm like I haven't done anything with my life and I'm like,
0: "Oh yeah, I'm 23." Yeah. <laughs> like I haven't changed it's the okay. world at 23, but you know. Yeah, it's like that's okay. <laughs> I keep telling people I'm 23, and that is just a lie. <laughs> it's close enough. It is, but, like, I do it on instinct. Where did that come from?
1: Okay, I did the same thing before I turned 23. I started, like, thinking of myself as 23. So when people asked me how old I was, I would say, oh, I'm 23.
0: But that has never happened in my whole life. I don't know what it
1: is about 23, but it does it. How many times have I said the word 23? <laughs>
0: Someone do a count. Every time Carrie says 23, you have to do 10 push-ups. <laughs> no. We want people to listen, not get swole. Um,
1: porque no los dos? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then the next song is Boho Days, which was in the trailer. Yeah, I remember watching this scene from the trailer and being like, "Wow, yeah, and just this movie's gonna be wild." Yeah, (laughs) and it's not a well-sung song. (laughs) No, but that's kind of the point. Yeah, it's just vibes. But like, vocally, it's not the best, Mm -hmm. which is okay because it's not trying to be the best. They're just hanging out. Yeah, vibes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, like, trying to think of the plot points connecting all these songs, and it's, like, not there.
0: (laughs) I just watched it, and I was all confused the whole time, and I wasn't... Yeah. Yeah.
1: 3090 opens the movie, and then I think there's, like,
0: scenes in between that or something. And then. Yeah, 3090 happened a lot later than I expected. (laughs) I'm trying to remember. (laughs) The silence is deafening.
1: What happened before 3090?
0: I don't know. I wasn't paying attention. Literally, that's your job. (laughs) I know it is. I'm aware of the mistakes I've made.
1: But, like, 3090 happens, and then it goes to the diner. Yeah. Where he's talking about, like, his job and stuff. And, like, we meet his friends. Okay. It opens with Andrew Garfield talking, and then he sings 3090. Oh, he's, like, introducing. It's, like, probably the opening monologue of the musical. Yeah. And then we get, like, introduced to all of his friends and stuff. And then 3090. Yeah. And then there's a party at his house, which is where Boho Days happens.
0: Yeah, so it happens, like, ten minutes in. I don't know why that felt like an eternity, but it did. Yeah. The one time I don't take notes and I just forget everything that's ever happened in my whole life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ridiculous. And then
1: after Boho Days, we have Green Green Dress in the background. Because they cut the song Green Green Dress.
0: Oh. I was like, I don't remember that.
1: Yeah, so Green Green Just is, like, an iconic song from the musical. But they, like, so they filmed it. Alexander interested and Andrew Garfield singing it. But then they cut it. Mm-hmm. And it's a deleted scene. And it makes sense. Like, I've watched the deleted scenes. I've watched the movie. It's a better movie without it. But it's a fun scene. It's a f- wild song. <laughs> and then it's, like, they have sex and it's like playing on the radio
0: yeah instead okay okay yeah, yeah 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 Yeah. i hear you
1: and then we have no more is the next song yeah where they're talking about how they wish they
0: weren't poor so <laughs> isn't that it <laughs> is that the one in the apartment mm. where they're like dancing around Yes. That one was really fun. Like, I really liked that one.
1: Yeah, because what happens is uh, Jonathan Larson lives with his best friend Michael in his apartment. And Michael gets a job at, like, marketing or advertising somewhere, like, at a big company. And so he, like, moves apartments to, like, a nicer apartment. And then they're singing nicer about... Is
0: an understatement. <laughs>
1: yeah. They're singing about how no, they don't have to deal with all this stuff about living in their old house anymore, about, like, bad showers and bad electricity and all that stuff. Shower and, like, get to in do in the this... kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> they get to do all this other stuff in head, like a doorman, all that kind of thing. And then it becomes a huge point of resentment for John. hmm That's... I love that song because the scene where they're, like, dancing in the lobby... It's so fun. Just... Any moment Andrew Garfield dances in that song, he looks ridiculous and I love it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: He looks like Baby Groot dancing.
1: He's just... I forget how tall he is sometimes. Yeah. And he's just all leg and, like, cannot dance. (laughs) I just... Yeah. And that's okay. That is okay. So then, from there, John, Johnny, I don't know what to call him. That's not Jonathan Larson. John sounds wrong. Johnny sounds too personal. Mister Larson,
0: <laughs>
1: Andy, <laughs> Andy G, then gets really upset that his friend Michael's abandoning him.
0: I understand. I get it. And he like
1: Jonathan feels like. Michael selling out of the, like, dream of making it big. And at the same time, Andy G's girlfriend, Susan, is like, hey, I got this job offer, like, out of town. Should I take it? Yes or no, basically. Yeah. And so then he's all upset because he can't leave New York because that's where his dream is, and he's not going to sell out like his friend's. But then he, like, doesn't answer her for a long time. So, the next song is called Johnny Can't Decide. Which is about how we can't decide about the things happening in his life. How he's upset about Michael. He's upset about Susan. He just wants to be famous. Yeah. He wants to be the next song time. And then, while this is happening, he gets a, like, workshop. To workshop his musical superbia and we see glimpses of his life in the past etc and as he's like working on this workshop he like focuses all of his energy and working on this workshop because this is his big break and he like abandons all of his relationships
0: yeah and he can't write one song which felt that
1: yeah and then like everybody keeps telling him there's just one song missing you need to write the one
0: song and he's like i can't he's like <laughs> yeah there actually was someone that told me I needed to write this one song, and it was Steven Sondheim. <laughs> and I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it until, like, five minutes beforehand. It's okay, the Star-Spangled yeah. Banner was written on a napkin, so. Exactly, exactly. Um, so the next song is Sunday. Which, definitely, since they were watching Sunday in the Park with George... That's what that's called, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. Good job, Jade. Yeah. <laughs> I always... Like, I've always wanted to see that one. And I haven't me too. had a chance. Um, but that's what that Sunday reminded the... me of. I thought they were singing something from that. And no, he was just making crap up. Yeah,
1: I think... I mean, Sunday When the Park in Georgia is, like, one of Sondheim's most iconic mm-hmm. musicals, which is why I've always wanted to see it. And I just haven't. Yeah. And... So I think Sunday, the song, is supposed to be a, like... Tribute? Tribute. That's the word. A tribute to Sondheim and Sunday in the Park of George and all of that.
0: Yeah. And also, and, like, like describing his life and Sunday mornings in the diner and his boring life.
1: Right. And it's of a different style. It's much more musical Yeah. than rock musical.
0: Yeah. He's, like, conducting a whole scene and it's a whole thing and... That scene
1: was just, like, watching it for the first time, like, I had no idea what was happening. I had never listened to these songs before, and then all of a sudden, all these Broadway stars just start showing up everywhere.
0: I know! <laughs> Dude, my mom had the audacity to tell me out loud, oh, I bet you don't know who any of these people are. And I'm like, you did not just say that to my face.
1: No. Like, I know who all of these people are, mom. Are you
0: kidding me right now? I was so mad. And- It was just a
1: series of like, oh, I know them. Oh, I know them. Oh, I know them. The entire song. And then the like wall fell down and he's like conducting and then it ended. And I was like, what just happened?
0: Yeah. It's like whiplash, dude.
1: You're like, what? And like, it's a great song and that scene is great, but like it feels really random in the middle of the whole thing. Which doesn't that track. (laughs) Yeah. So then things fall apart after that
0: casually. Oh, that's play game. What a weird, weird time. <laughs> uh, Susan
1: comes up to him and is like, hey, I need to tell this job whether or not I'm taking it. Do you want me to take it? And then like Johnny is just like the worst boyfriend possible and they get into a fight and so then you get therapy. Which like I do not get the song. (laughs) Like, I've listened to the lyrics of the song, and I don't get how they fit with what was happening. Right. But I also, like, I haven't seen the original Tick, Tick, Boom, like, on stage, the stage musical. Yeah. So maybe it fits more then. But I like the way that he combined, Lynn combined the song Of them, like, processing therapy, him and Vanessa Hudgens on the stage, at the same time that, like, Susan and Johnny are fighting. Yeah. And it, like, cuts back and forth. Like, I thought that was really well done. And I like the
0: choreography for therapy. I just... (laughs) The song is wild. I don't understand it. Your choreography freaked me out. I was afraid. I was like, you guys are, like, tripping right now. Like, how... Much, how many drugs did you have to do to make <laughs> your eyes that wide open? How many I
1: would love to sing the song with somebody?
0: Yeah, just because it's so wild, but it's really difficult. It's I mad respect. That's all. I don't even have words. It's, Really hard. But I would love to see somebody I know
1: sing this song or to do it myself. Challenge accepted.
0: Only if I'm... Only if I'm Andrew. (laughs) I have very specific people in mind. I do too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That I want to see perform this. Yeah. But I'm not going to say their names on the internet. No. (laughs) Okay, and then we have swimming where... If you want to believe it, he goes swimming.
0: Whoa. Percy Jackson this would be proud. Also in the trailer. That's like, it's literally my favorite part. I was like, his whole revelation is going to come at the bottom of the pool. And I was so stoked. Yeah, Jade doesn't watch trailers, so she didn't know that that was going to happen. No, I did. I watched that trailer. <laughs> okay. Netflix ones, I just happen to watch because they keep playing. S- that's fair. Um.
1: Yeah, I like the song and I like the. I, I was gonna say choreography, but it's not technically choreography. Yeah. The like staging of it all. Yeah. Or it's a movie, so it's not quite staging. It is what it the is. like swimming and the music notes and the. Yeah.
0: Very way that creative. he's like processing. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, our boy Andy G did not almost drown, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. <laughs> He's still alive, so he didn't
1: actually drown. That's all that matters. Yeah.
0: But, like, almost? Maybe. (laughs) We do have that scene. um, The one where, basically, best friend's name. What's his name? Michael. Michael. He's, like, he's basically, like, yeah, you're a privileged straight white boy. And that argument really hits hard, you know? It's like, yeah, you are very privileged right now. Yeah,
1: that's what the Musicals of Cheese podcast I listen to, which I guess I'll have to link because I keep talking about it, also talked about how the way that Lynn has presented this movie, the message of the, music of the movie is that Jonathan Larson was in the wrong. Yeah. And that... All of these things happen to him because he was the bad guy. Interesting. Yeah. And it's only when he, like, got over himself that he could write Tick, Tick, Boom. And so by the end of the movie, he has a successful musical, but it's only because he got over all of these other things that were happening to him. Like, he's a bad boyfriend. He's a bad friend because he thinks he's so privileged and he feels like all of his friends are giving up on their dreams when they're just trying to survive.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of the whole point of rent is everyone's just trying to make it.
1: Right. And so... And so then, like, the musical... The podcast was saying that they hate it when people take Tick Tick Boom to be like, see, this is justification for me. Just, like, I just need to be an artist. Yeah. And the, like, starving artist mentality of, like, that's literally what got him in trouble in the first place. Yeah. Like, that's not the point. The point is that your friends... Are more important than your art. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Great moral of the story, man.
1: Yep. So, after he's swimming and after he gets slapped in the face by Michael, he finally writes the song. (laughs) Called, Come to Your Senses. Which
0: tracks. (laughs) Which is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, they really hyped up the whole song. Like, the that song throughout the whole thing because everyone's like, you just have to write it. And he's like, I just have to write it. And this whole thing. And like it lives up to that expectation. If it didn't, I would have been so mad.
1: It was at this point in the movie that I realized that it was not about Rent anymore. <laughs> yep.
0: Well, when he started, like everyone was saying, oh, it's like aliens and stuff. That's when I got the hint. I was like, oh. I mean, like, yeah, I got it. But like
1: the whole time they're like hyping up this song, I was like trying to figure out what Rent song mm. it is. And then like the farther we get, I'm like, wait, maybe this isn't about Rent. And then it was like this point specifically where I was yeah. like, this is not about Rent. I don't song. know
0: a whole lot about Rent. I watched it a long, long time ago. And my choir teacher in high school actually had a tattoo that said, no day no day but today and we would sing that song every year as like a farewell to the seniors so she was obsessed with it so i knew enough to be like this is not right something's going on here yeah but
1: the way that the song like alexander ship and vanessa hudgens are like singing at the same time is really beautiful oh my
0: gosh
1: and the scene of susan like on the like rooftop like singing it amazing she's also just really pretty like yeah Shout out to her hair, honestly. Oh
0: my gosh, I know. I'm on a still of it right now, and I was about to say that. A curly critic icon. My gosh.
1: And then, the next song is Real Life. Which I do not remember.
0: Um... Oh! Uh... Shoot. It's Michael. Is that a real song? Yeah, it's oh, Michael. it's Michael singing. He had just told, um, right? Yeah, right. So Michael tells
1: Johnny, he's like, "Hey, I have AIDS, or I have HIV." Yeah, not AIDS yet. And then earlier in the movie, we had like met a character who has AIDS. Mm-hmm. So like, the significance of that was established. If you didn't already know the significance of that. <laughs>
0: You know, like, hospital scenes and stuff. You're like, yeah, yeah.
1: got it. <laughs> if you know nothing about history, this is a significant thing. Um, and so then, like, Michael sings a song about, like, how sad he is. Pretty much a lament, you know. And then Johnny sings a song about how sad he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you name a song, why... Chances are. (laughs) I, like, can't listen to Y when I'm driving. (laughs) Ooh. It makes me so sad.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: so beautiful.
0: It is. And and him just, like, freaking out in the rain. I'm like, yep.
1: That's dramatic.
0: Garfield sounds really good in it. Yeah. And
1: then, like, the... the music of it is really nice the all the notes very good <laughs> I'm trying to talk about music and I don't know anything about music it just sounds pretty both Andrew Garfield and the piano all the notes good check mark yeah. 12 out of good 10 good fan of the notes <laughs> but it's also really sad it's just a song where he's like recapping his entire friendship with Michael yep
0: and you're like oh oh I just that got hurts. stabbed <laughs> like... repeatedly. Ugh. And that's like the ending song, right? It's the penultimate song. I really just wanted to use that word. Yeah,
1: I know. So you thank did. you for giving me an opening. <laughs> I know. Because the last
0: song is louder than words. Right. Do I just. Did I just skip over that? What happened? Loud in the World. It's like like done on stage. Oh, that's right. I wasn't really paying attention, honestly. I was more looking at who was in the crowd than the song. Yeah. So that was kind of the point.
1: Yeah, the movie wraps up. Susan comes and, like, gives him a birthday present because, you know, his birthday. And... He gets a call from Steven Sondheim that's like you can do good big things one day just maybe not with this musical. <laughs> yeah. And et cetera et cetera things start to wrap up and then he sings louder than words. And then the movie ends. Yep. And that's tick tick boom. You would think there'd be a bomb somewhere. There's not. <laughs> right. And like it does like it wraps up with like a this is who Jonathan Larson was. This is what happened to him. Yeah. Very biopic fashion. Yeah. Okay, and do you have any thoughts about the story?
0: About the music? About the recap? I mean, I think we covered it. I think we made it happen. I want to talk about Andrew Garfield. (laughs)
1: Perfect. Do we think Andrew Garfield has
0: a career in musical theater? No. That, That was a very quick answer, but I was thinking about it the whole time, so...
1: Yeah, I think that he does a really good job playing
0: Jonathan Larson. Yeah. If the... Like... If the character calls for it, he can do it, but... I mean, I, I honestly don't think so. Like, we would want him to be Pometer because that's his character that he does. He's good at it. Right. I think he
1: has the potential if he really wanted to, if he really worked at it. Yeah. he could do it. I'm not sure he wants to. Yeah. Which is fine. Because he, he picks all of his roles very specifically. hmm But, like, he's not Tony-level in this at all anywhere close (laughs) no i think of on the other side of it i think that he does did it's over now deserve an oscar for this solely because he had to put in so much work yeah to get this right and i think he got it right yeah it's like not only is he playing a real person but he also had to learn how to sing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh my and so, like, gosh. just as an actor, this role stretched him. I think more than anybody else who was nominated this season. Yeah. Like, granted, I haven't seen a lot of the movies that were nominated. So, like, I don't know about their performances. But, like, from a purely practical standpoint it appears that Andrew Garfield worked harder to get where he is in this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He just goes full sand in everything. Yeah.
1: And, like, this music, like, if you listen to interviews, he just talks about how much Jonathan Larson means to him and how important this movie is to him, and it's so sweet because before, he literally didn't know anything about it. He, like, barely knew who Jonathan Larson was. Lynn man Miranda just walked up to him and was like, hey, look at this. Do this thing, please. And now it's like this character and this person is like such a huge part of his life. That's profound. Yeah. The great news is that there was a train. <laughs> I know. I freaked out. <laughs> so it was a success.
0: We got everything we could possibly want. What do you rate it? I'm so stressed out about this ranking. Like, oh, I'm so stressed out because I feel like if I watched it again, I would rank it higher because I'd understand it. I'd have more context. I would so put that into consideration. I am, but I can't just do that. Because maybe I don't. Maybe I just don't like it. I'm not saying I don't like it now, but... Yeah. I wasn't, like, blown away. I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna watch this every day for the rest of my life. Yeah. I, like...
1: Think about the rewatchability of movies. Or, like, TV shows and stuff. And I definitely feel like if it's highly rewatchable... I rate it higher because that means it means more to me. Yeah. But there's also, like, good things that I've seen once that I have no desire to rewatch.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's like a toss-up. Yeah. But if you're like, no, I would never re- rewatch this. It's not really worth my time. Then it's like, okay, well. Right. Like, I left with a positive opinion of the movie.
1: Yeah. But also no desire to want to watch it again. As opposed to leaving something with a negative opinion of it and no desire to be watched again. Like some movies that I've seen recently.
0: Yikes. (laughs) May or may not have planes in them. (laughs) I hate you right now. (laughs) It's just because it didn't have a train. No, that's not the issue with it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it is.
1: This is not a podcast about that movie.
0: (laughs) No, this is a podcast about the movie Planes that is a... No, no, no. I've actually seen that movie. It's not half bad. I have not. So good for you. (laughs) I think that's step two. I think next week, uh, check out our podcast about the movie Planes. Okay, are you gonna give this a ranking? Or are we gonna be here all day? <sighs> We're probably gonna be here all day. Um, At least you're honest about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm gonna give it a seven and a half. Yeah, I think I would give it an eight. So not bad. Not a not that far off, really. It's not bad.
1: But it's also not the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Now for the real test. What did the tomatoes think of it?
0: <sighs> not the tomatoes. <laughs> Critics? Uh 78. Audience?
1: 85. I'm gonna say audience, like, 95. Wow. And critics, like, a 7. Critic, 87. Audience, 96.
0: Oh. Maybe we're just fake fans, man.
1: This happens a lot. Where I think that critics are not gonna like a movie, and then the critics like it. (laughs) A lot. And I'm like, I don't know anything.
0: I guess, okay... I guess just basing it off of how it's made and the, like, the technicality of it probably makes it a lot higher because it is so different. Um, and I think it helps that it's on Netflix. I think that already gives it a higher rating usually because Netflix things are typically better quality. Not all the time. Um... But really, that audience score, dang.
1: The reviews. Um, positive reviews are talking about how everything clicked, it worked well, it's directed well, it's edited well. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Garfield does a really good job. lin memoranda Miranda does a really good job directing. And this negative review says, here's a biopic musical about procrastination. It can wait. <laughs> dang! That's good. And then this one says, there's not a single note in any one of its songs which will surprise you. And although it's big on emotion, it's so slick that you will feel nothing except for what you take in there yourself. That, wow. Somebody was having a bad day when they wrote that
0: review. That's exactly how I feel, though. Like, I didn't think my opinion of anything changed by the time I got out of the movie like I walked in watched the movie and felt exactly the same when I walked out and usually I'm like oh that was good that was bad but it was literally just the same yeah that's such a good description wow that's a good point
1: yeah I keep telling people that I like the movies that I like a lot are movies that, when I end, I, like, reflect on them a lot. Yeah. And, like, this movie did not make me reflect. No. It was fun. It was entertaining. I liked seeing Andrew Garfield because always liked seeing Andrew Garfield. Um, like seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda's random cameo in all of his movies. What a guy. But, like, despite the fact that this is a movie with, like, a relatively clear message, it doesn't leave me with a desire to think about that message.
0: Yeah, it didn't really resonate. Like, even with Rent, I watched it probably at, like, 14 years old, right? And I had no, like, I really had no business watching it that young, mostly because I didn't relate to anything they were talking about like now it may make a bit more sense and it would resonate more but like with this with this one specifically I feel like the only people that would resonate are writers
1: yeah and like but it's also like I feel like it has more of a broad message than that with like the message of like I feel like I'm running out of time to do something successful with my life yeah. To be something. That's a message that's broader, but it also feel like it doesn't leave you with that.
0: Yeah, it doesn't really hit that hard. It's just like, oh, he's struggling with this really hard. Okay. Right. Like you're watching Jonathan Larson
1: struggle with this. Even if you also struggle with it, you're not feeling connected to him in that way.
0: Yeah. Do you think that has anything to do with Andrew's performance? Or is it the writing? I don't know. I think Jonathan Larson is largely an unlikable and unrelatable character. Mm. He just kind of like, does his own thing and doesn't care about anyone else.
1: Yeah, he's kind of a bad person <laughs> through most of this, and also, but he's also a legend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So he has this huge myth around him even before the movie starts. Yeah, and then you just see him be a terrible person for the entire movie until the end when he like realizes his mistakes. But, like, even, like, from beginning to end, you know that this is Jonathan Larson, writer of Rent, who died prematurely. Yeah. And, like, that always sticks with you. And so it almost feels like the things that Jonathan Larson is doing are separate from what I'm doing, even though they're the same. Yeah. Because he's Jonathan Larson and I'm me. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think the writing does not... Do a good enough job at making him less of a legend. Making him more relatable.
0: More of a regular guy, yeah.
1: Right. Which, like, now I'm trying to think of other... That's just, like, a problem with biopics. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'd, like... I don't want to say that it's Andrew Garfield, because I don't think it's Andrew Garfield...
0: I mean, I don't think so. Something off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I think he did a good job at playing what was given to him. Yeah. I think what was given to him was not relatable
0: enough. Yeah. For us. Yeah, I feel like he probably did his best at trying to make it relatable. Like, let me try and give life to this character. That's also which I think he did. Yeah.
1: And like, I know that that character. Keep calling it, it feels weird calling him a character when he's a real person. Yeah. But like in this context, he is a character. That character is so personal to Andrew. Yeah. And so like he does like a really good job at embodying Jonathan Larson. It's just Jonathan Larson is not relatable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the issue with it. And then he made one of the most relatable musicals ever written.
1: Yeah, I think the point in time that we see Jonathan Larson, well, I don't know. You can be not relatable and still write something relatable. Yeah. It's like if they were to make a biopic about Sondheim, I don't think he would be relatable either. No. Unless they did it really well. I don't know much about Sondheim's life, but like. Sondheim is Sondheim. None of us can be Sondheim. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's Sondheim, this is me. Which is, like, thinking about it, like, I wonder how, like, the Elvis movie that's coming out this summer. I didn't know
0: that was a thing. What the heck?
1: Oh, yeah. There's an Elvis movie coming out this summer. And I'm, like, wondering if it's going to suffer from the same thing. Because Elvis is even more of a legend than Jonathan Larson is. Significantly so. So I think that's probably where that movie's going to fall flat, too. Is that nothing about what he does is going to make me... Feel things. Yeah. Like, this is what Elvis did. And now I'm just here. (laughs) Yeah. While, like, movies, like, hidden figures, I felt that more. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's possible. Maybe you just have to get the right person. Yeah. The right person to biograph... (laughs) Biographize? That's not a word, but you get my point. <laughs> That's tick, tick, boom. Every time I say the word boom, I'm expecting an explosion to happen. And it never does. Sad.
0: Where can the people reach us, Jade? Oh my gosh. So we have Instagram. Facebook? Yeah, we have Facebook. Um, Gmail. We're on the WBNE Discord. We have Patreon at Curly Critics Pod. All of those things. Send us a funny GIF on Twitter because I like looking at those. Yeah.
1: Great. <laughs> that was our episode. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.